You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We're going to finish up the fifth chapter of Shabbat, which is all about what animals can go out with and what they can't go out with. And as we've learned, the animals have to rest on Shabbat just as much as we do, and they can't work for us. And then as we go into the sixth chapter, we're going to start looking at what humans can go out with on Shabbat. But as we go over the boundary between the fifth and the sixth chapter, the Gemara is the the the, um, the is going to make a little excursus about um, personal responsibility, which we'll spend a minute talking about. And it's important just to cast our minds back and remember that most of these objects which are mentioned as not being permissible to go out with on Shabbat, whether whether it's you know whether they're worn by a human or whether they're worn by an animal. Most of them are not strictly prohibited according to the laws of Shabbat. But the rabbis are afraid that we will get into a position where we will really break Shabbat if something happens. Or that we'll give the impression that we're, we're, we're breaking Shabbat. And so this chapter goes on. A donkey may not go out with a saddlecloth when it's not tied to it. That's tied to it before Shabbat. And we learned actually the reverse of this Mishnah yesterday, that it may go out when it is tied before Shabbat. But let's carry on. Or with a bell, even when it's plugged, because that seems like we're taking it to market. Or with a ladder around its neck. This ladder seems to be some kind of big yoke that they used to put on a donkey or with a strap around its foot. And the strap is clearly not for the benefit of the donkey. And it, it, it doesn't, we, we discussed yesterday the fact that animals can carry stuff that is important to them, but not stuff that's important to us. Along the same lines, the fowls don't go out with um, ribbons or threads or straps on their legs. Rams don't go out with a wagon under their tails. This wagon seems to be a contraption that people put underneath a really fat tail of a ram to stop it dragging on the ground. Um, ewes may not go out with a nostril chip. What's this nostril chip? Again, there's a discussion, a lot of discussion in the Gemara about what this nostril chip is. Um there it's a it's a han it's a han ein haruchelim yotzot chanunot chanunot it's some kind of well the Gemara discusses it the, the best explanation I can bring you is that it's some kind of chip that you would put into the nostril of the you that it, to make it sneeze and to make it sneeze out gunk but again you wouldn't want to have that going around on Shabbat. And a calf doesn't go out with a small yoke. A cow with a skin of a hedgehog. They used to put hedgehog, I mean, hedgehog skins are prickly, right? And they used to put hedgehog skins on the feet of the cows to stop other animals attacking them. Whether these are uh, leeches or other kinds of animals is not quite clear, but it's some kind of protection for the, the calf. Or with a strap between its horns. 
And then the Mishnah concludes the chapter. This is the, con- this is the conclusion of the chapter on animals. Paratoshi Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria Karneha. Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria's cow used to go out with a strap be- between its horns. Just as as we've learned, we can't do. We're not. The, the cow doesn't go out with a strap between its horns. Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria's cow used to do this. Shelo birtzon chachamim. And the Chachamim did not agree. What's going on? Why do we bring this right at the end of the chapter? And we've talked before about the fact that very often the last words of a particular chapter are really important. And the Gemara comments, comments this is a famous Gemara, which, which um, everybody should learn. And I, I've only brought you just the first couple of lines here, but it goes on for probably a page or two. It's very, very interesting. And the Gemara says as follows. That was not his cow. It was not his cow that used to go out with a strap between its horns. It wasn't his cow at all. It was his neighbor's cow. But because he did not protest, the Mishnah called it out in his name. And the Gemara then goes on to say, this is why it's a page or two, because it brings many, many examples of public figures who had the opportunity to stand up and to protest, to stand up and take a stand, who had influence over their communities, but who failed to do so. And the Gemara, um, anyway, it, it, rever- it really reserves its most terrible criticism for community leaders who failed to speak up. And as we're going through these chapters that deal with keeping Shabbat, not necessarily with keeping the lesser of Shabbat, but keeping far away from transgressing the the, the prohibitions of Shabbat. It's interesting that the Gemara seems to go back here to discussing the role of community leaders in setting standards. So that's the end of chapter five. And chapter six begins. Well, we've already, we, we, you rem- we remember the beginning of chapter five. It reminds us of Bame Madlikin, Bame Behema And somewhat sadly, chapter six begins, Bame Isha With what may a woman go out and with what may she not go out? There's a whole list of things that a woman shouldn't go out with. I don't know whether there's a woman in the Beit Midrash, by the way, when this was discussed. So it's, I mean, it's it's very it's it, it's you know we're reading this chapter of Mishnah this chapter of Mishnah today and we read it with really with new eyes. There's a whole list of things. Not with woolen threads or linen threads or straps around her head. And then just as we learned with the chains around the animal, veloti bolbehen ad ad she can't immerse herself. She can't immerse while wearing them unless she loosens them. So the Mishnah seems to be saying that 
It is possible to immerse while wearing these things, providing that they're loosened. And by the way, the Gemara says about the chains on the animal, where we said, you know, you can sprinkle and you can immerse without taking them off the animals. The Gemara does say there, by the way, you need to loosen them a little bit to let the water get between the chain and the animal. And it seems to be saying the same thing here. Veloba tortefet. Velo basan butin. A tortefet and a san butin seem to be some kind of frontlets or headdresses. And I've brought you a picture here from Steinsaltz. Steinsaltz has drawn this as he thinks they would have appeared in the time of the Gemara. So uh, this is not an archaeological drawing. It's a drawing that is made and it appears in the Steinsaltz commentary. But I thought it'd be interesting for you just to see this. It's some kind, the Totefet is some kind of, um, some kind of decoration that goes around the forehead. Maybe it's related to the word for the head to fill in, which are Totefot. And the, um, the, the headdress goes around the back of the head. And the Mishnah is going to say, not with a frontless or with a headdress, if they're not sewn. That means sewn in together, sewn onto her hat. And not with a, a hairnet in the public domain, or a gold crown, or a necklace, or a ring without a seal. I mean, a ring with a seal is clearly... An, an instrument of it's clearly not decoration right with a seal is clearly a tool or with an unpierced needle and again clearly if, if the needle is pierced it's clearly a tool and we will learn about these later on in the chapter but if it doesn't have a seal and it doesn't have an unpierced needle it seems to be in a different category and this chapter concludes sorry this mishnah concludes with the words ve'imiyats at if she goes out with these, she's not liable to a sin offering. I.e. that these aren't really breaking Shabbat. Going out with these things is not really breaking Shabbat because they might be considered decoration. But the, Mish, the sages seem to be anxious that if you go out with something really pretty, the Mishnah seems to be anxious that you might take it off and show someone. And you might end up, someone might end up carrying it for four amot in the public space, which certainly would be forbidden, when it's not being worn. So the Mishnah is not suggesting that wearing these is a prohibition, wearing these outside on Shabbat is a prohibition in itself. But it seems to be suggesting, just as we've seen in the early chapters of the Mishnah on Shabbat, it seems to be saying, look, we don't want to go out with these things in case in case we get into a situation where we carry them for Amos in public, in a public space, which really is a, a transgression of Shabbat. And the next Mishnah, which deals with what men can go out with, goes on exactly the same lines. With nail-studded sandals. This seems to be a public health issue, as a matter of fact. If there's a crush, people can hurt themselves if they... People get hurt if they tread on each other with nail-studded sandals. So there seems to be a public health issue here. Nor with a single one if he's got no wound on his foot. Obviously, if his foot is wounded, either he wears a sandal on the wounded foot to protect it, or he doesn't wear a sandal on the wounded foot because he can't. But otherwise, you know, we're not going to go out with one sandal. We might be tempted to take it off and carry it for four amot in the public domain. Nor with tefillin. 
interesting as to whether perhaps in those times they wore tefillin on Shabbat. Nor with an amulet, nor with a coat of mail, nor with a helmet, nor with iron boots. These are all warlike symbols, actually. But the Mishnah concludes in exactly the same way. If he did go out with these, he's not liable to a sin offering. Because carrying these things on Shabbat is not really breaking Shabbat. We are anxious that if he did go out with these things, he will get into a situation where he might carry them for four amot in public. But as we've done right the way through from the beginning of the Masseche, we're articulating practices that we take on just in order to keep us far away from possibly breaking Shabbat. And then as the chapter develops, we'll get into other issues which really are forbidden on Shabbat. And that will be the subject of the next Mishnah, which we'll pick up next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Benedict.